Our reading this morning comes from uh, John's Gospel, chapter 1, and beginning at verse 1. John, chapter 1, and beginning at verse 1. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God, his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, So that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. This morning we are, of course it's the first Sunday of Advent, and uh, we're thinking this morning especially about, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the advertising campaign uh, each year they uh, they come out with some sort of slogan and some sort of campaign that they put on bus shelters and uh, and uh, advertising newspapers and on television and in the radio last year um, a lot of people didn't like it because they had this uh, this this thing called the godchild and it was a picture of a uh, what looked like a doll and, and people didn't really like that and uh, uh, didn't really go with it a lot. But this year, their theme is uh, Christmas starts with Christ. Christmas starts with Christ. And uh, I like that. Uh, obviously, it's a play uh, on the words uh, Christmas uh, starting with Christ. Here we go. Thank you, guys. Take a while. So the question that I want to ask you this morning is, is when does Christmas start? When does Christmas start? Okay, when does Christmas start? So just turn to your neighbour and, uh, and tell them, when for you does Christmas really start? When for you does Christmas start? Okay, what is it? What's, what's that indicator that you think, yeah, this is Christmas, okay? Just turn a moment for your neighbour and it gives me a chance to... Uh, Okay, what have we? Uh, what have we got? When does Christmas start for you? Anybody? Christmas Day. Christmas Day okay. Anybody else? The first jingle bells. The first jingle bells. Okay. First mince pie. 
when you order the Christmas cards from BMS. Gosh, when did you do that? <laughs> October, okay, right, okay. Anybody else? When does, yeah? When you finish work. When you finish work, yeah, amen to that. <laughs> when you finish work. Anybody else? Could be on St. Nicholas's Day, yeah, exactly, yeah, that's right, yeah, for some it is, uh, this Friday, isn't it, okay. Well, this campaign wants to say that, uh, uh, you know, does Christmas start with the neighbours lighting up their house in November? No, and when I get to this point, I want you to all say, Christmas starts with Christ, okay, you're going to join in, you're going to play along, okay, okay. Does Christmas start with the neighbours lighting up the house in November? Does Christmas start with fresh cranberries from Sainbury's? No. Christmas starts with Christ. Does Christmas start with the first radio airing of Merry Christmas? Christmas starts with Christ. Does Christmas start with the bumper edition of the Radio Times? No. Christmas starts with Christ. And uh, this is the official Christmas Starts with Christmas Starts Sunday, and you might have seen it. And I would encourage you, you know, if you're on Facebook, to get it out there, to get that message. Uh, we're going to use this uh, thing on our Christmas invitations that go out into uh, the neighbourhood to remind people uh, that Christmas starts with Christ. And in this Advent uh, season of Advent, we're going to be thinking uh, very much about the meaning of Christmas and, uh, and what it means to us in the church. And uh, especially focusing on the fact that Christmas starts with Christ. So, uh, we're looking at John's Gospel. And uh, have you noticed as you read the Gospels, you know, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Uh, that John's Gospel is just a little bit different. Has anybody noticed that as you're reading it? Uh, because you see, John... Uh, he doesn't fill his Gospels with lots of stories about Jesus. He's more interested in finding out the meaning behind what was going on. And so John, like Mark, uh, actually doesn't have the birth narrative. He doesn't have the, the traditional Christmas story in his Gospel. Uh, but in place of that, he starts with where we're starting this morning. Because he wants to say, not only that uh, Christmas starts with Christ, but John says... Um, that everything starts with Christ. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning. As soon as we read those words, in the beginning, uh, straight away we are reminded and taken back to those wonderful verses, verses in Genesis 1, that says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes through all the things that God created. But how did God create? He spoke. He spoke a word. And John's wanting to make that connection between the word that was spoken in creation and the word that comes and lives amongst us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, tremendous words. Words that they were very familiar with. Words that are often uh, read 
this is the passage in John's Gospel that's often read in carol services and at Christmas time. In John's Gospel, everything starts with Christ. Everything starts with Christ. Nothing that has been created um, was created without him. Christ is the Word. And uh, this morning with John, uh, we're going to try and uh, think about that. We're going to tease it out. Um, We're going to do a little bit of theology. Is that okay? Theology. We're going to do a bit of theology. Um, Don't be frightened by that word because let me tell you, all that theology means is the study of God. We actually do it every Sunday. Every time you uh, open your Bible in a, in a Bible study group or a house group, uh, you're actually doing theology. But some people are a little bit scared of, of, of the word and they think that, gosh, uh, I'm not a theologian. Let me tell you this morning, each one of you is a theologian. If you've ever studied God, if you've ever studied God's word, you are a theologian. Theologians are not just found in universities with, uh, with hundreds of books and dust and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. Theologians are people that are interested in studying God, in finding out what God has to say. And, like John, what does it all mean? What does it all mean? In John's Gospel, gospel everything starts with Christ. Everything starts with Christ. And in John's Gospel, of course, we read these tremendous words in verse 14, that the word, the word which was there at the beginning and was with God and was God, became flesh. The word became flesh and lived amongst us. So, the theological word that we use for this is incarnation. Um, now we do know that word, don't we? Because uh, very often at Christmas we sing a song that was written by uh, somebody in this church. How does it go? There's something we call incarnation. You know it, don't you? You're not going to sing it with me. You've, you've, you've gone along with me once, I can't ask you to go along with twice. But we do know the word, don't we? Incarnation. Um, but what it actually means is quite difficult to explain or to understand. Larry uh, Kreitzer, in his book, The Gospel According to John, says, What an absolutely staggering sentence that is, talking about uh, verse 14. So awesome a declaration is this, that it is difficult, one could almost go as far as to say, impossible to fathom the depths of its meaning. So this morning we are dealing with something that is almost impossible to understand. It's almost impossible. I like the fact that he puts almost impossible. There's there's just a little uh, thing there that maybe uh, we can find some understanding and some meaning. But it is it's pretty mind blowing, isn't it? The idea that God becomes a human being and lives amongst us. It's pretty mind blowing stuff and almost impossible uh, for people to understand or to believe. But it's at the heart. Of what we believe about God. It's at the heart of what we are going to be celebrating in a few weeks time. That the word becomes flesh and lives amongst us. Christmas starts with Christ. 
the word becoming flesh. I'm reading this book at a moment called Five Impossible Things to Believe Before Christmas. I commend it to you. Because at Christmas we do ask people to believe in the impossible, don't we? We ask people to believe, you know, that God, the creator of the universe, became a human baby. We ask people to believe that angels turned up and, uh, and spoke to virgins about the possibility of becoming pregnant without a man being involved. There's lots of impossibilities that we ask people uh, to believe in. And of course, for those of us that have been in church for a long time, we just kind of accept these things and say, oh yeah, yeah, it's Christmas again. And, uh, and, and we don't really sometimes, uh, you know, we sang in that, you know, we sing songs about being in awe of God. And uh, sometimes we get a little bit, um, uh, complacent, don't we? Anyway, this is what Kevin uh, Scully says. It's as though the birth of Jesus constitute a crack in the universe. The separation of God and humanity is ended. God is no longer distant. He is tangible. God is not invisible. People can see him. God is not beyond humankind. He is one of us. I feel another song coming on. What if God is one of us? Do you know that one? Just, uh, I won't sing the rest of it, but uh, <laughs> I think it's a slob like one of us, actually. Uh, but again, it's just that, I love that, that term. It's, although uh, the birth of Jesus constitutes a crack in the universe. Something amazing happens. And this crack in the universe allows the light of God to come into the world in a human being. Uh, At Christmas time, we do believe impossible things. Because nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. So, incarnation... You know, if I asked you to turn around and explain to your neighbour, you know, what it means, how it happened that God became a person, you might find it a little bit more difficult than explaining for you when Christmas, the Christmas season starts. Because it is something um, that we actually ask people to accept by faith. It is impossible for us to comprehend or explain how, how God can be in heaven and in a small baby at the same time. But just for a moment, think about it. The Almighty God moves within a human arm. The love of God now beats in a human heart. The wisdom of God now speaks through human lips. The mercy of God actually reaches and touch people with human hands. God was always a God of love, but when Jesus came to earth, love was wrapped in human flesh. God became one of us. Incarnation. The second word I want to talk about is is habitation. 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 The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, it's incredible that God becomes uh, a human being, that he, that he becomes a baby and that he's, that he's born uh, of a woman. Um, and he lives among us. And the, the NIV talks about him uh, dwelling among us. Um, this is John's nativity. This is John's nativity. 
He's not interested with the, you know, with the shepherds and the tea towels on, on people's heads. He wants to get to the, the meaning behind the story. And of course the meaning behind the story is that God is born amongst us. That God makes that incredible long journey from heaven to earth and actually lives amongst us. I like the way that uh, Eugene Peterson in the message puts this. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighbourhood. I like that. Um, That God moves into uh, our neighbourhood. Habitation. God comes and lives among us. And, And that changes things, doesn't it? Because it means that we have a God who experiences what we experience. A God that experiences birth. A God that experiences childhood. A God that experiences those difficult teenage years. We don't read much about Jesus' early life from birth to when he's 33. Just the odd incident here and there. But what we know is that God experienced everything that human beings experienced. He experienced love, he experienced uh, heartache, he experienced pain, he experienced suffering. And of course he goes on to experience death. The fact that God comes and lives amongst us means that we no longer have a God who is distant. A God who is up there somehow out of reach, out of touch. We have a God who has come and dwelt amongst us. Other versions of it talk about him pitching his tent. And of course that uh, takes our minds back again in the Old Testament. um, When the, the, the tent was the meeting place. And uh, they would set up a tent as the meeting place where, where the people could go in and there was a thing called the tent of meeting, where the tabernacle was. And there's a sense in which Jesus becomes that meeting place between God and humanity. But suddenly we, people had a God that they could see and touch and feel and speak to and a God that spoke back to them. God came and he lived amongst us. An incredible truth. This is how Max Lucado uh, talks about it in, in his book, God Came Near. Majesty in the midst of the mundane. Holiness in the filth of sheep manure and sweat. Divinity entering the world on the floor of the stable. This baby had overlooked the universe. These rags keeping him warm were the robes of eternity. Lovely words to describe what was going on. But John tells us um, that the world didn't recognise him. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognise him. An incredible thing that when God was born, when God walked upon this earth in the human form of Jesus, very few people recognised that it was God. Very few people recognised And it always makes me think, how many times do we actually fail to recognise God in the midst of us? Because we still believe 
that God is here, that God is present through his spirit. And I wonder how many times those words that John writes, he was in the world, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. And so often people fail to recognise God, and they often fail to receive God. And at Christmas time, during this season of Advent, we want to say again that Christmas starts with Christ. We want to remind people that Christ came into the world. And we want to encourage people to once again receive Christ into their lives. Because just as God was born in Jesus, we also believe that Jesus can be born in us. John goes on to talk about the fact that those that did receive him, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. We believe that people can still be born of God today. Sometimes we use the term born again and again. It's an impossible thing to explain. How can you be born again? Uh, John and Nicodemus have an interesting conversation later in John's Gospel, in John chapter 3, where Nicodemus says, well, how can this be? It's It's not possible. It's impossible. You can't go back into your mother's womb and be born again. And again, we're asking people to believe in the impossibility. But God does the impossible. In Jesus Christ. So habitation. Another word, manifestation. Um, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. Um, John is is a witness. An eyewitness. John is going to give testimony there came a man who was sent from God, his name was John. He came to witness, witness, to testify concerning the lights. We have seen the manifestation of God's glory. In Jesus, some people recognised God's glory. Do you remember in the Old Testament when Moses went up the mountain and met with God and he came down and he said that he was, he was, he was like glowing with God's glory and, and people had to hide their faces because people in the Old Testament, uh, believed and sometimes it happened that if they saw God, uh, you couldn't see God and live. And now Jesus comes and John says, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. You've heard the the, the sentence, you know, like Father, like Son. Uh, Well, Jesus wasn't just like God. John's Gospel tells us that Jesus was God. We have seen the glory of the one and only. Anyone who has seen me, Jesus says later in John's Gospel, has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, Jesus says. And then finally there's an invitation. There is an invitation. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from God, the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Again, the message version uh, puts it like this, generous, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. 
Grace and truth, very often we separate those things, don't we? Um, you know, you're either going to be hard on the truth of what the gospel says, or you're going to be kind and generous. As if they're two things that, that, are, uh, that don't go together, that don't fit. And yet here, John brings those two things together in Jesus and says, Grace and truth reside in this person, in God. You get the best of both. You get the truth, but you also get the grace. And in that, there is an invitation. Because he is truthful, you can come in complete confidence that God will keep his promises. But because he's also full of grace, you can come to God in complete confidence that he's able to forgive and deal with all our wrongdoings. Because God is full of truth and grace. And the invitation for us is to be those people that recognize, even though we can't fully understand what was going on at that first Christmas. When the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And whilst we will never really fully understand it, we can embrace it. And we can understand what it means for us in the same way that John tries to bring some meaning to what was going on. We can understand that God is with us in Jesus Christ. We can understand that God is for us in Jesus Christ. And we can understand that God goes ahead of us in Jesus Christ. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is God in person. And our response, the invitation, is really one to worship. One to go, wow. I wonder when was the last time we were wowed by God. When we were wowed by something that we read in scripture. When it kind of really spoke to our hearts and we just thought, wow, this is incredible. I wonder this week whether you're going to go to people and say, you know, what did you do at weekend? What did you do this weekend? You won't believe it. I... I discovered this amazing truth. I can explain exactly what was going on at Christmas to you, if you want to know. And then you can talk about what the Bible says about Christmas starting with Christ. So does Christmas start when the decorations go up in uh, Rottenstall? You know, you said that with such meaning and enthusiasm. I'm absolutely convinced that you believe it, that you're going to live it. Uh, because that's the invitation, isn't it? Because there's, there's a sense in which the, the story is an old story. It's a story that we've heard before. But it's a story that we never tire of telling. The fact that the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. As we think about the incredibleness of that, um, we're going to uh, listen uh, to a song which reminds us of the fact that God is Emmanuel.
that God is with us, that he came to us. And we'll use this song in preparing ourselves to meet around the Lord's table where we celebrate the word becoming flesh and blood and dwelling amongst us.